0: All right, this is part two of uh, DP Exam 300. I'm going to do it a little bit different than the first one. I'm going to give the options before I give the answer because I want to be listening to the podcast and then say, oh, that's the answer out of those options. You know, I did a little bit of uh, review listening to it yesterday and, you know, it's kind of weird listening to yourself. I don't know how people do it um, all the time. Maybe they don't. Who knows? But anyways, that's where we're at. Um... We'll try to get through an hour here, at least 20 questions, maybe more. Uh, this was a 30-exam question, 30-question exam 30-question question exam, <laughs> so let me uh, let me begin. Sorry, I'm a little tired. I got to coach this afternoon, so looking forward to that. I'm starting coaching at 350. It's 1036 right now, and I got to get out to Denver shortly, so I'm going to try to make quick work of this. We'll see how well I do. Okay, question one. You have an Azure SQL database named MySQL. You want to configure Query Store based on your workload and performance troubleshooting requirements to ensure that performance anal- analysis is accurate. You need to minimize the risk of cur- Query Store transitioning to a read only state. What should you do? Options Increase the value of the stale query threshold days, decrease the value of the statistics collection interval. Decrease the value of the data flush interval, or set the value of size-based cleanup mode to off? Answer, decrease the value of the data flush interval. Explanation, you should decrease the value of the data flush interval. Query store collects queries, execution plans, and statistics until it reaches its limit as defined by the max size parameter. The query store then automatically changes to read only mode and stops collecting data, which can lead to inaccurate performance analysis. This limit is not strictly enforced and is checked when query store writes data to disk based on the data flush interval minutes parameter. Reducing this variable and ensuring that size based cleanup mode is enabled will minimize the chance of query store transitioning to read only mode. You should not decrease the value of the statistics collection interval. This value defines the level of granularity for the collected runtime statistic. Reducing this value increases the collection interval, which can result in more data being collected and therefore a greater risk of query store transitioning to read-only mode. You should not increase the value of the stale query threshold days. This value defines the retention period for historic data. Increasing this period this period increases the amount of data retained and increases the possibility of query store transitioning to read-only mode. You should not set the value of the size-based cleanup mode to off. To help prevent the transition to read-only mode, you should keep this enabled, which is uh, enabled auto, which is its default value, so that an automatic data (laughs) cleanup takes place when query store data size approaches the limit. Alright, this is not a great start. We're doing alright though. Let me just turn this gain down. Okay. So, in short, we need to minimize the risk of query store transitioning to read-only state. Therefore, we should decrease the value of the data flush interval. Okay, question two. You are gathering usage information for an Azure SQL database. You need to collect information about page collection or page allocation specific to tempdb. Which two dynamic va- Wow, I'm bad today. Which two dynamic management views should you use? Each correct answer presents part of the solution. Options: 1. sys.dm_db_session_space_usage 2. SysDM file space usage 3 sysdm task space usage 4. sysdm FTS index physical stats 5. sysdm db log space usage correct answer is use sysdm session space usage and use sysdm db task space usage explanation You should use the sysdmdb task space usage and systemdb session space usage dynamic management views, space task space usage and session space usage. You can use task space usage to view page allocation and deallocation activity by tasks for the database and session space usage to view the number of pages allocated and deallocated by each session for the database. Both views are applicable to the tempdb database only. You should not use sysdmdb log space usage. This returns information about space usage information for the transaction log. You should not use sysdmdb file space usage. This returns space usage information for each data file in the database. You should not use sysdmdbfts index physical stats. This returns information about each full text or semantic index in each table. Summary of this question use the ses- session space usage and task space usage when collecting information about page allocation specific to tempdb. I feel like Nathan, for you when I'm talking on this one. All right. Blah, blah, blah. I don't like this one. Question four. Your company has several poorly performing queries that run against a database deployed on the Azure SQL Database service. The database is named dbdemo and has been created by migrating it from an on-premises SQL Server 2016 instance. It is still configured with the original compatibility level. You determine that the most poorly performing queries rely heavily on referencing table variables. You need to use Intelligent Query Processing, IQP, to optimize processing for these queries. What should you run? Options. Alter database scoped configuration, set deferred compilation TV equal to on. Option two. Alter database scope configuration, set interleaved execution TVF equal to on. Option 3. alter database scope configuration, set deferred compilation TV equal to off. Option 4. alter database DB demo, set compatib- compatibility level equal to 150. Answer. Altered database DB demo, set compatibility level equal to 150. Explanation. You need to enable the IQP feature called Table Variable Deferred Compilation. This will improve plan quality and overall performance for queries referencing table variables. When enabled, the compilation of any statement that references a table variable is deferred until the first actual execution of the statement. This does not change any other characteristics of table variables. This IQP feature requires compatibility level 150 or higher, which corresponds to the SQL Server 2019 engine. Azure SQL Database currently supports all compatibility levels from 100 to 160. As the database was originally migrated from SQL Server 2016, it remains on the compatibility level that corresponds to that engine version, which is 140. The table variable deferred compilation feature is enabled by default for databases with compatibility level 150 and will activate as soon as the compatibility level is upgraded. You should not run alter database scope configuration set deferred compilation tv equal to off. This statement would run successfully, however it would not have any effect because the database is on compatibility level 140. The table variable deferred compilation feature requires compatibility level 150 or higher. Additionally, it is designed to disable deferred compilation of table variables instead of enabling it. You should not run alter database scoped configuration set deferred compilation tv on. This statement would run successfully. However, it would not have any effect because the database is on compatibility level 140. The table variable deferred compilation feature requires compatibility level 150 or higher. You should not run alter database scoped configuration set interleaved execution TVF equal on. This statement controls compilation of multi statement table valued functions, not table variables. Summary of question four Use the alter database DB demo to set the compatibility level to 150. Afterwards, we can alter database scope configuration to set the deferred compilation TV equal to on. It's a crazy one. Question five. My data is an Azure SQL database. Recent changes in the company's business model require closer adherence to compliance standards. You plan to implement auditing at the server level to help maintain regulatory compliance. You use a pre-configured auditing report on database activity and retain a trail of selected events. Audit logs are written to an Azure storage account using default retention settings. You need to determine how server audit configuration settings impact database auditing and database configuration options. For the following statements, select yes if the statement is true, otherwise select no. Statement 1. By default, audit logs are retained indefinitely. Answer: True. Statement 2. If you configure server auditing only, the audit policy applies to all current and new databases. Answer true. Statement three If you configure both server and database audit policies, database auditing takes precedence over server auditing. Answer false. Explanation By default, audit logs are retained indefinitely. The default retention period setting is zero, unlimited retention. You can change the retention by configuring the retention period value. If you configure server auditing only, the audit policy applies to all current and new databases. Databases will always be audited, regardless of the database-level audit policies. If you configure both server and database audit policies, database auditing does not take precedence over server auditing, Both policies apply, the database is audited twice in parallel by the server policy and by the database policy. Let me take a sip of coffee. Question six, you create a SQL server agent job for an Azure SQL managed instance. You want the job to run every Saturday night on a reoccurring schedule. You need to create and attach a schedule to the job. What should you use? Options. Option one, Azure portal. Option two, SQL Server Management Studio graphical user interface. Option three, Azure Resource Manager templates. Option four, SQL Server Infrastructure as a Service agent extension. Answer, SQL Server Management Studio Graphical User Interface, SSMS GUI, GUI, Explanation, You should use the SSMS graphical user interface to create and attach a schedule to the job. You have the option of defining the schedule when you create an agent job, or you can create a schedule separately and attach the schedule to an existing job. In this scenario, you must do the latter. With either option, you can reuse the same schedule across multiple jobs. In addition to using the SSMS GUI, you can also use T-SQL commands to create and attach job schedules. You should not use a SQL Server Infrastructure as a Service Agent extension to create and attach a schedule to the job. The SQL Server IaaS Agent extension provides automation for SQL Server instances running on Azure VMs. It includes features such as automated patching, automated backup, portal management, Azure Key Vault integration, and others. It does not include any capabilities to create and attach schedules to SQL Server agent jobs. Agent. <laughs> you should not use the Azure portal to create and attach a schedule to the job. The Azure portal is a web-based management interface for managing your Azure subscription. The Azure portal can be used to manage the Azure VM that runs SQL Server. For example, it can be used to start, stop, and resize the VM. It can also be used to manage the SQL Server instance which is running on that VM if the SQL Server IaaS agent extension is installed. However, even with this extension, the Azure portal cannot be used to create or attach SQL Server agent schedules. You should not use the ARM templates to create, the, to create and attach a schedule to the job. ARM templates provide JSON based infrastructure as code capabilities for Azure resources, thus providing deployment and management functions, although they can be used to script the Azure VM that hosts. SQL Server, they do not cover features that run inside the VM, such as SQL Server agent jobs and schedules. Summary of question six. Use the SSMS GUI to create and attach a schedule to the job, the job being an agent job. Question seven. I like these ones. <laughs> Your company has databases deployed as Azure SQL Database databases Let me restart. Your company has databases deployed as Azure SQL Database Databases and as Azure SQL Managed Instance Databases. Automatic tuning is enabled at the server level with default tuning preferences. You need to configure the tuning settings for some databases to help improve performance. For each of the following statements, select yes if the statement is true. Otherwise, select no. Statement 1 you can use Azure Portal to configure automatic tuning for both Azure SQL Database and Azure SQL Managed Instance Services. Answer, false. Statement two, the force last good plan automatic tuning option is enabled by default for all database instances on a server. Answer, true. Statement three, the create index and drop index options are supported for Azure SQL da- Database instances only. Answer, true. Explanation. You can use Azure Portal to configure automatic tuning for Azure SQL Database service only. However, you must use the T SQL alter database command to configure automatic tuning for Azure SQL Managed Instance. The force Last good plan, to, automatic tuning option is enabled by default for all database instances on a server. This allows automatic plan correction to identify queries using an execution plan that is slower than the previous good plan. When a slower plan is detected, the last known good plan is used instead. The default setting for both Azure SQL Database and Azure SQL Managed Instance is to have for slash good plan enabled. The create index and drop index options are supported for Azure SQL Database instances only. Force Last Good Plan is the only automatic tuning option supported by Azure SQL Managed Instance. That's a good one to repeat. Force Last Good Plan is the only automatic tuning option supported by Azure SQL Managed Instance. Oh, man. Question eight. You have 30 databases which are provisioned using the Database Transaction Unit DTU Purchasing Model. You plan to use an Azure SQL Database Elastic Pool to support database resource usage requirements. You need to calculate in Elastic DTUs the size of the elastic pool that is needed to meet resource requirements. Which three options should you use to determine the elastic pool size? I think we've seen this one before, but it's good to review. Option one, total number of databases multiplied by average DTU utilization per database. Option two, total number of databases multiplied by peak database transaction unit utilization per database. Option three, average time between DTU utilization peak. Option four, total storage space needed for all databases. Option five, number of geo-replication secondary databases option six number of concurrently peaking databases multiplied by peak database database transaction unit utilization per database answer you should use the following metrics to calculate the estimated database pool size and pool size in edtus one total storage space needed for all databases two number of concurrently peaking databases multiplied by peak dtu utilization per database three total number of databases multiplied by average dtu per database all right question nine you are running an azure sql database the database server is named my server you want to retrieve only the latest long-term retention backups of active databases from the server. You need to achieve the outcome using the Azure command line interface. How should you complete the command? To answer, select the appropriate options from the drop-down. In order to complete this retrieval of the latest long-term retention backups of active databases from the server, use the following command line. db Ltr dash backup list first option. Negative one Southeast Asia dash S my server dash dash database dash state live second answer dash dash only latest per database true Explanation You should use list since it will list the long term retention backups for a location, server, or database. The dash dash database dash state should be live, which denotes all live, i.e. active, databases on the server. And dash dash only dash latest dash per database should be true. If it is set to true, this option will only return the latest backup for each database. It is important on this one to remember that we need to use the list, the live, and the true Question 10, if you are implementing security best practices for Azure SQL Database, you need to recommend a solution to meet the following requirements. One, users of one database must be fully isolated from another database. Two, T-SQL could be used for configuring the firewall rules. Three, the recommendation must comply with Microsoft Security's best practices recommendations of configuring the firewall settings so that they are as granular as possible. Options. Database-level IP firewall rules, Windows firewall for database engine access, or server-level IP firewall rules. Answer. Database-level IP firewall rules. Explanation. You should recommend database-level IP firewall rules. Database-level IP firewall rules satisfy all the three requirements in the scenario. Database-level IP firewall rules let you set granular security settings. You can configure users of one database to be completely isolated from another database. This is not possible with server-level or Windows firewall setting. Database-level IP firewall rules are set using T-SQL commands. This is not allowed in Windows firewall settings, but server-level IP firewall rules can be set using T-SQL Finally, Microsoft's recommendation is to always use the most granular firewall settings as possible. Therefore, Microsoft recommends using database-level IP fire rules whenever possible. This practice enhances security and makes the database more portable. Okay, question 11. You are using an Azure SQL database as a back-end database for one of your applications. You have activated Intelligent Query Processing, IQP, to improve the performance of the database. You are using the Degree of Parallelism, DOP, feedback feature of IQP to identify query parallelism inefficiencies in your database. You need to capture and analyze your query plan's Degree of Parallelism feedback when your Azure SQL Database instance restarts. Which extended events, XEs, for degree of parallelism feedback should you use? Option one, DOP feedback analysis stopped. Option two, DOP feedback reverted. Option three, DOP feedback provided. Option four, DOP feedback eligible query. Option five, DOP feedback, excuse me, validation. Option six, DOP feedback stabilized. Answer, DOP feedback eligible query. You should use the DOP feedback eligible query extended event. The degree of parallelism feedback helps you to identify query parallelism inefficiencies in your database. For example, queries that are repeated or based on elapsed time and weights indicate which specific queries to optimize for. If the parallelism usage is deemed inefficient, the DOP feedback will then lower the DOP for the next execution of the query. In the given scenario, DOP feedback eligible query XE occurs when the query plan becomes eligible for DOP feedback. In this scenario, you want to capture this when your Azure SQL database restarts. I'm not going to go through the remainder of these, why you should not use them. This is a little more complicated than I would like to admit. The summary of question 11 is, use the DOP feedback-eligible query when you need to capture and analyze your query plan's DOP feedback when your Azure SQL Database instance restarts. Feedback-eligible query restarts. Ooh, all right. One second, I'm gonna take another sip of coffee. Oh, man. Your company has multiple Microsoft SQL Server 2016 named instances running in its on-premises data center. You plan to use Azure Data Migration Service, DMS, to migrate the on-premises named instances to Azure SQL Database instances. So many repetitive words. You enable the SQL browser service so that Azure DMS can connect with your named instances. You need to verify that the network firewall ports are properly configured to support the migration. Which port do you need to ensure is open in the network firewall? Options. Option one, 5432. Option two, 3306. Option three, 1434. Option 480, answer 1434, explanation, you need to ensure that UDP port 1434 is open in your network firewall. This is necessary to enable Azure Database Migration Service to connect with named database instances. Port 80 is the default port for unsecured HTTP communication with web servers. Port 80 is not used in database migration. Port 3306 must be open when using Azure DMS to migrate a MySQL instance, but it is not used when migrating SQL Server. Port 5432 must be open when using DMS to migrate a Postgres SQL instance, but it is not used when migrating SQL Server. Summary of this question... Use port 1434 when migrating a SQL server. Question 13. You support an Azure SQL managed instance database named SQL DB2. This database processes queries embedded in applications and ad hoc queries. You need to ensure that you can use sysdm exec query plan stats To retrieve the XML representation of an actual execution plan for a query, the solution must be restricted to SQL DB 2. What should you do? Options. Option 1. Set lightweight query profiling to on. Option 2. Set trace flake 2451. Option 3. Set last query plan stats to on. Option 4. Set optimize for ad hoc Workloads to on. Option five, set query capture mode to auto. Answer, set last query plan stats to on. Explanation, you should set last query plan stats to on. This database scoped operation enables the collection of the last query plan statistics in exec query plan stats. The last query plan statistics are equivalent to collecting the actual execution plan. By using a database scoped option, you override the instance level default of off for SQL DB2 and thus meet the scenario requirement of restricting the change to that database. You should not set query capture mode to auto. This query store setting is used to configure the information captured by the database. When set to auto, infrequent queries and queries with insignificant compile and execution duration are ignored. This option does not impact data collection for SysDM exec query plan stats. All right, I'm going to take a quick break. I will be right back. All right, I am back. Just a little snack. I said in the last one, you got to have a snack when you're studying. Just bought tickets to Meow Wolf. I'm going to be going to. Uh, Going to Meow Wolf in Santa Fe, April 27th. That's, that'll be exciting. I went to the one in Denver uh, January 1st. So second time this year, I'm a big fan. But let's get back to studying, you know. Got to gotta get this test done. All right. Whew, okay. Question 14. An on-premises SQL Server 2016 SP2 instance includes a database named DB1. DB1 is configured with the full recovery model. You run a full backup each weekend and a differential backup twice a day. Full backup each weekend, differential backup twice a day. DB1 becomes corrupted due to a hard disk failure. DB1 is currently online. You want to recover as much data at from DB1 as possible up to the point of failure. You run a tail log backup of the transaction log. You replace the failing hard disk and plan to restore from the most recent full and differential backups, then from the tail log backup. As we recall, full backup each weekend, differential backup twice a day. You need to identify the options you should use with the restore command to recover the database. DB1 should not be brought back online until after you complete the restore process. Which options should you use with each restore? This one I won't be able to give you options, but let's just listen closely. Answer, Restore Full Backup, No Recovery. Restore Differential Backup, No Recovery. Restore Tail Log Backup, Recovery. Explanation You should restore the full backup with the No Recovery option, restore the Differential Backup with the No Recovery option, and restore the Tail Log Backup with the Recovery option. You should use specify no recovery with the full and differential backups to prevent rolling back any uncommitted transactions and ensure that the database remains offline. During the final restore, restoring from the tail log backup, you should specify recovery to roll back any uncommitted transactions and bring the database back online. A tail log backup is run to back up the transaction log from a database that is currently offline. If your backup set includes additional transaction log backups, you would restore any transaction log backups made after the most recent differential backup in order before restoring the tail log backup. You should specify the no recovery option with each restore. You should not use the partial option for any of the backups. The partial option is only used to run a a piecemeal restore. A piecemeal restore is supported when a database has multiple file groups that can be restored and recovered in stages. A piecemeal restore can be run offline or online. You should not use the restart option for any of the backups. The restart option is used to restart a restore operation that has been interrupted. An example of an interruption is a server power failure that causes the OS and the SQL Server instance to be restarted. Summary of that question, use the no recovery for the full and differential backup. Use the recovery for the restore tail log backup. There's no chance I pass this test. Question 15, you are using Azure Monitor to monitor Azure resources for resource availability, performance, and operation This includes data from platform metrics, resource logs, and the activity log. You need to create an alert rule to automatically notify you if a resource configuration change fails. What type of alert rule should you create? Option 1, metric. Option 2, dynamic. Option 3, log query. Option 4, activity log. Answer, activity log. Explanation, you should create an activity log alert. An activity log alert generates an alert when an entry is created in the activity log that matches specific criteria. You would use this to create an alert when a particular type of resource is created or if a configuration change fails. You should not create a metric alert. A metric alert is based on specific configured threshold values and can be automatically resolved. You should not create a log query alert. Log query alerts involve running log queries at regular intervals and configuring an alert to notify you if a specific condition is found by the query. You should not create a dynamic alert. Dynamic refers to an alert condition rather than a specific type of alert. A metric alert can be created as a dynamic alert so that the alert threshold is recalculated automatically. The summary of this one is to use an activity log alert. Oh, I got this one right. Okay, question 16. You suspect that a Microsoft SQL Server instance is experiencing blocking. The instance is currently under a heavy load. You think the problem is that tasks are waiting for tempdb resources. You need to determine if tempdb allocation contention is causing blocking. Which two dynamic management views should you reference? Each correct answer presents a complete solution. Option 1, sysdm os tasks. Option 2, sysdm os waiting tasks. Option 3, sysdm tran locks. Option 4, sysdm exec requests. Option 5, sysdm exec query profiles. Answer, use the sysdm os waiting tasks and sysdm exec requests. Explanation. You should use a SysDM exec requests or SysDM OS waiting task DMVs if you suspect blocking caused by TempDB database allocation contention. Either will indicate requests and tasks that are waiting for TempDB resources. This is indicated by a wait type of page latch underscore up and wait resources pointing to pages in TempDB. You should not use SysDM OS tasks. This DMV returns one row for each task that is active in the instance of SQL Server, such as a query, a login, a logout, and system tasks. SysDM OS tasks does not return information about requests and does not return the type of wait information needed in this scenario. You should not use SysDM Exec Query Profiles. This DMV returns information about real-time query progress while a query is in execution. It returns information about active queries only and does not include information about any other types of tasks. You should not use sysdm tranlocks. This DMV returns information about active lock manager resources. The suspected problem is not with locking, but with blocking due to waits. Therefore, the summary to question 16 is to use the sysdm exec requests and sysdm os waiting tasks, especially when you are looking to see if the tempdb database allocation contention is occurring. Question 17. You are running SQL Server 2016 in Azure VMs. You are planning to automate database workflows by using Logic Apps. You are using the SQL Server Managed Connector. You observe that long-running stored procedures are failing and the following error is displayed. HTTP 504 Gateway Timeout. You need to diagnose and troubleshoot this issue. What should you do? Option 1, eliminate connector throttling by reducing calls per minute. Option 2, create an IDMP. Item potent job for running the stored procedure using SQL Server Agent. Option three, create a non item potent job. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Create a non item potent job for running the stored procedure using SQL Server Agent. Option four, set up chunking over HTTP. Answer, create an item potent job for running the stored procedure using SQL Server Agent. Explanation. The SQL Server connector in Power Platform has a two-minute window of execution. In other words, if the execution time exceeds 120 seconds for a SQL query or SQL stored procedure, actions will timeout and the HTTP 504 gateway timeout will be displayed. To resolve this issue, you should create an idempotent job for running the stored procedure using SQL Server Agent. If you have a long-running stored procedure, then instead of directly calling the stored procedure, you can design an asynchronous process via which you can run the stored procedure in the background using a job agent. If you are running SQL Server on-premises or in a VM, you can use SQL Server agent. Recommended best practice is to ensure that your stored procedure and all jobs are idempotent, which means that they can run multiple times without affecting the result. If the asynchronous processing fails or times out the job agent will retry the step and thus restore procedure multiple times to avoid duplicating output you should review these best practices and approach best practices and approaches before you create any objects you should not eliminate connector throttling by reducing calls per minute Every Logic App connector has a throttling limit, but this should not impact the execution of a long-running sort procedure. Furthermore, if your workload exceeds a specific connector's throttling limit in Azure Logic Apps, you will encounter a 429 error, also known as a too many requests error, and not a HTTP 504 gateway timeout error. Oh my gosh, big brain over here. Question 18. You are planning an Azure SQL managed instance deployment with a business critical service tier. You want to use read-only replicas to offload read-only queries to achieve higher scale and performance. You need to monitor the data synchronization process to estimate the data propagation latency on the read-only replica. Which two columns in the SysDM database replica states DMV should you monitor? Options. Option one, truncation underscore LSM. Option two, synchronization state. Option three, secondary leg seconds. Option four, redo queue size. Option five, redo state. Answer redo queue size and redo state. This one, it'll be good to remember that we use both the redos in order to monitor the data synchronization process to estimate the data propagation latency on the read-only replica latency. (sighs) Explanation. The SysDM database replica states, DMV returns a row for the database exposing state for the local replica in an Azure SQL managed instance. In this scenario, you are tasked with monitoring the data synchronization process to estimate the data propagation latency on the read-only replica. You should monitor the redo queue size and redo rate columns in the DMV. The redo queue size column provides a numerical value in kilobytes for the amount of log records in the log files of the secondary replica that has not yet been redone. The redo rate column provides a numerical value in kilobytes per second for the average rate at which the log records are being redone on a given secondary database. Collectively monitoring both in specific intervals provides a clear indication of both the progress of the data synchronization process and the actual data propagation latency on the read-only replica. You can then... Use this knowledge to estimate any end-user applications or actual users that are using the data on the read-only replica for reporting purposes and to estimate the time delay in the actual data propagation. You should not use the synchronization state column value. The... Co- this column provides information on the data movement state via one of the values that it shows. 0 means that data is not synchronized in between the primary and secondary databases. 1 means that data is synchronized in between the primary and second databases. 2 means the data has synchronized in place, has synchronized in place of synchronizing. 3 means that a revert process is in an action, and 4 means that a phase of undo is in progress. You can use this information to understand and deep dive into the synchronization process of data between the primary and secondary databases. However, in this scenario, you need to monitor the data synchronization process in order to estimate the data propagation latency on the read-only repl- replica. This is a mouthful. For question 18, when we thinking about data synchronization process process, and propagation latency, make sure we use the redo queue size and redo rate system DMVs. Okay. Where are we at? 43 minutes. We're doing all right. Let me take a sip of coffee. Excited for some lunch. Okay. Okay. Question 19, you plan to move a SQL Server 29 instance from an on-premises server to Azure SQL Managed Instance. You currently use SQL Server agent jobs to automate regular management tasks. You need to identify the changes that you need to make when when moving the instance to Azure SQL Managed Instance. For each of the following statements, select yes if the statement is true, otherwise select no. Statement one, Database mail profiles should be limited to Azure Managed Instance underscore DBmail underscore profile only. Answer true. Statement two Supported notification types include email, pager, net send, proxies, and alerts. I think we've done this one. Answer false. Uh, statement three Jobs cannot be scheduled to start when SQL Server agent is started. Answer, true. Explanations. Statement one, you should limit Database Mail profiles to Azure Managed Instance underscore DB DB Mail underscore profile only. Database Mail is enabled on Azure SQL Managed Instance, so there is no need to enable Database Mail as a prerequisite. On Azure SQL Managed Instance, you are limited to that one profile, whereas on SQL Server, you can create multiple profiles. Statement 2. Notifications are limited to email notifications only. Email notifications only. Pager, NetSend proxies, and alert notifications are not supported on Azure SQL Managed Instance. They are only supported on SQL Server. Statement 3. Jobs cannot be scheduled to start when SQL Server Agent is started. SQL Server Agent is always running on the Azure SQL Managed Instance, and it cannot be disabled. In addition, you cannot trigger jobs based on an idle central processing unit. Jobs in Azure SQL Managed Instance can be triggered based on calendar schedules. Question 20. Question 20. Oh, I like this one. Okay, one second. You are running SQL Server on an Azure virtual machine. You need to design a business continuity and disaster recovery, BCDR, plan for your application over considerable distances, and you need to ensure that the following requirements are met. 1. Application downtime will result in business liability, hence, recovery should be as seamless as possible. 2. The expected recovery time objective should be the time taken to make the secondary replica as primary. Three, the expected recovery point objective can accept some degree of data loss. Which capabilities should you recommend for the BCDR plan? Option one, replication with Azure site recovery. Option two, always on availability groups. Option three, active geo-replication. Option four, auto-failover groups. Answer, always on availability groups. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Explanation: You should recommend always-on availability groups since you are running SQL Server on an Azure virtual machine. In the case of always-on, the time taken to make the secondary replica its primary becomes the effect- effective expected recovery time objective for SQL Server in a failover scenario. Additionally, as replication to the secondary replica is asynchronous, there will be some data loss. I guess... Okay, um, you should not recommend Active GeoReplication to design the specific business continuity solution. Behind the scenes, Active GeoReplication uses the SQL Server Always-On technology, but it is only applicable to Azure SQL database offerings, including single databases and elastic pools. This allows the database to asynchronously replicate the committed transactions on the primary database to a secondary database by using snapshot isolation. The RTO that can be achieved is 30 seconds after failover is triggered, and you can get a recovery point objective of 5 seconds, you should recommend this solution, geo Active Georeplication, if you have an aggressive requirement of RTO of 30 seconds and RPO of 5 seconds, and the SQL is a platform as a service and not hosted on a virtual machine, which is an IAAS solution. Question 21. Question 21. You have an application that has an Azure SQL Managed instance as a backend database. You are diagnosing blocking server process ID to identify and resolve blocking scenarios in your Azure SQL Managed instance. You need to use the appropriate DMV which contains data about open transactions that can be joined to other DMVs for a complete picture of transactions awaiting commit or rollback. You need to gather data about open transactions that can be joined to other DMVs to have a complete picture of the transactions that are awaiting commit or rollback. Yes, it repeated itself. Which DMV should you use? Option. Option 1 sysdm exec dot open count. Option two, sysdm exec dot Option three, sysdm exec dot Option four, sysdm tran active transactions. Option five, sysdm exec wait type. Option six, sysdm request open transaction count. Answer, SysDM Tran Active Transactions. You should use the SysDM Tran Active Transactions Dynamic Management view. It contains data about open transactions that can be joined to other DMVs for a complete picture of transactions awaiting commit or rollback. For example, DMV SysDM Tran Active Transactions can be joined with SysDM Tran Session Transactions and then by Analyzing a specific transaction's current state, transaction begin time, we can evaluate whether it could be a source of blocking. This is an example, they give an example, it's very long, very long. So, (laughs) summary, use the sysdm active transactions when gathering data about open transactions that can be joined to other DMVs to have a complete picture of the transactions that are awaiting a commit or rollback. Question 22. Okay. Your company migrates an on-premises database named Hist Data, which contains sales and customer history data to an Azure SQL-managed instance. Your company plans to continue its policy of keeping data encrypted while at rest. We Remember, at rest is TDE. Um, You plan to enable transparent data encryption. There you go. For the database. You want to use a service-managed certificate to encrypt the database. You are documenting the implementation for your manager. You need to identify where the certificate for encryption is stored. Where is the certificate stored? Option. In an external hardware security module in an Azure Key Vault, in the HIST database database, in the master database, answer in the master database. The TDE certificate is stored in the master database for service managed certificates. The same certificate is used for all databases in the same Azure SQL managed instance resource. With service-managed TDE, the certificate is generated internally by Azure. When you create a new database in Azure SQL Database or Azure SQL Managed Instance, the database is encrypted with TDE by default. Older databases created before 2017 are not encrypted by default. The certificate is not stored with the database, so it would not be stored in HIST data. Certificates are not stored with the user database. The certificate is not stored in Azure Key Vault. This is Azure's cloud-based external key management system. You have the option of storing a certificate in Azure Key Vault if you choose to use customer-managed TDE, also known as bring your own key, BYOK. With BYOK, you provide the certificate used for data encryption. The scenario specifies that you plan to use a service-managed key, so Azure Key Vault is not part of the solution. All right. Question 23. You run SQL Server 2019 in Azure VMs. You use a SQL Server managed connector in Azure Logic Apps to automate database workflows. You suspect that the connector is getting throttled for concurrent calls per connection while executing SQL stored procedures. You need to diagnose and troubleshoot the issue. What throttling limit applies to this scenario? Option 1, 100. Option 2, 125. Option 3, 200. Option 4, 500. Answer, 200. Explanation. The throttling limit that applies in this scenario is 200. SQL Server Managed Connector allows you to access your SQL database with the SQL Server Connector and Azure Logic Apps. You can then create automated workflows that are triggered by events in your SQL database or other systems and manage your SQL database and resources. There are two kinds of operations in the Logic App Service, native and CRUD. Native operations include all types of operations that involve executing SQL stored procedures, as is the case in this scenario, or SQL queries. CRUD operations are operations which include creating, reading, updating, and deleting row data operations. Furthermore, both native and CRUD types can have two types of operations, either API calls per connection or concurrent calls per connection. The maximum permissible limit for concurrent calls per connection is 200 calls. 200 is the answer you're looking for. All right. Question 24. You're running an Azure SQL database. The database server is named ServeOct 2022 You need to retrieve all restorable dropped databases on Oct 2022 by using Azure PowerShell. How should you complete the commandlet? The commandlet is completed by using get azure name servername Oct 2022 Dash restorable dropped. Explanation If you want to search for a specific restorable drop database, you first need to use git Azure SQL database and then filter the output. The restorable drop parameter is important since it allows you to retrieve the restorable drop databases on a given server. There are a few variations of commands using this commandlet which you can use for a specific use case. One, if you want to return all restorable drop databases on a server, you should use the restorable drop parameter without database name and database deletion date. Two, if you want to return a specific restorable drop database on a server, you should use the restorable drop parameter with the database name and database deletion date parameters. This one's a little too wordy. We're moving on to 25. Uh, let me go back to that one more time. Use the get Azure SQL database to retrieve all restorable drop databases. Use a restorable dropped at the end of that commandlet. Uh, 25, I'm going to skip. We've done this one before. At a high level, the idea is we use column store archival compression in the situation when we want to apply compression to a 10 billion row table to make it as small as possible. Column store compression is an option as well, but for this specific scenario, we really want to make it as small as possible and we're not concerned about any other uh, use cases. Therefore, column store archival compression will be our use here. Okay, question 26. You have enabled and configured Query Store to collect query data through SQL Server Management Studio. You have collected data over several days. During this time, you have made changes to table indexes and loaded a large amount of table data. Users have reported consistently degrading performance in a key application. You want to identify the queries that may be at fault. You need to identify queries for which execution metrics have recently changed for the worse. Which SSMS view should you check first? Option one, top resource-consuming queries. Option two, query weight statistics. Option three, regre- regressed queries. Option four, queries with high variation. Answer, re- regressed queries. Jeez, David, regressed queries. Use regressed queries to identify queries for which execution metrics have recently changed for the worse. Explanation. You should check the regressed queries view. This will help you pinpoint queries whose performance metrics have recently regressed or changed for the worse over time, which could result in worse application performance. This can help identify queries that need corrections. Okay. Question 27. A company is replacing some... On-premises databases with cloud-based data services. The company supports multiple databases running on different SQL Server instances. The most recent SQL Server version would successfully support the database applications. The databases are relatively small and use intermittently as to, as no set schedule. Primary, primary deployment goals include, 1. Automate backups with support for point-in-time restore. 2. Automatically share resources between the databases. Three, set resource workload limits for individual applications. Four, support SQL Server agent administrative jobs. Five, no operating system or SQL Server support requirements. What should you recommend? Options. A single SQL Server on Azure Virtual Machine Default Instance. An Azure SQL Database Elastic Pool. A single Azure SQL Managed Instance with multiple databases, multiple Azure SQL database, single databases. Answer: Recommend a single a, a single Azure SQL Managed Instance with multiple databases. It's like a tongue tongue twisters all over this place. All right. Explanation: You should recommend a SQL Azure SQL Managed Instance with multiple databases. This solution meets all the solution requirements. Automatic backups are a feature of Azure SQL Managed Instance with PITR, Point-in-Time Restore, supported over seven days by default, and resources shared between databases. Because this is a a platform-as-a-service data solution, you are not responsible for maintaining the operating system or data server. Azure SQL Managed Instance provides support for both Resource Governor for setting resource limits for application workloads and SQL Server Agent for configuring administrative jobs. You should not recommend an Azure SQL Database Elastic Pool. This solution does not support resource governance or SQL Server Agent jobs. You should not recommend multiple Azure SQL database, single databases. This solution does not provide for sharing resources between databases and does not support resource governance or SQL Server agent jobs. We are close to the end. We have three more questions to wrap this up. Question 28. DB is an Azure SQL Managed Instance Database. Database performance has degraded over time. You want to take steps to restructure indexes and data storage to improve performance. You need to generate recommendations for indexes to improve online transaction processing queries. What should you use? 1. Option 1, sys.sys indexes. Option 2, SQL Server Management Studio. Option 3, Database Engine Tuning Advisor (DTA). Option four, Sys.dmdbIndexOperationalStats. Answer, Database Engine Tuning Advisor, DTA. Explanation, you should use DTA. DTA analyzes databases and makes recommendations on how to improve query performance, which includes recommendations for optimizing indexes to support queries. DTA can help you select and create an op set of indexes index views or table partitions DTA does not require an expert understanding of the database structure or SQL server internals you should not use SSMS SSMS is you can use SSMS to implement optimization recommend, recommendations but it does not generate generate the recommendations for you you should not use sys.sysindexes catalog view this view provides a list of each index and table in the current database, but it does not provide usage information or information you can use for optimization solutions. You should not use a DMV. This provides current low-level activity information for each partition of a table or index in the database. It does not provide the, da- provide the base of information needed to make accurate optimization decisions. Summary of Question 28. Use the Database Engine Tuning Advisor to generate recommendations for indexes to improve online transaction processing queries. Okay. Question 29. You deploy a new Azure SQL Database. The database backups must be maintained for at least five years. You decide to configure a long-term retention policy. You need to verify that an LTR, long-term retention policy, will meet your retention requirements. For each of the following statements, select yes if the statement is true, otherwise select no. Statement 1. LTR policy can be configured to retain database backups for up to 10 years. Answer, true. Statement 2. Database backups are retained in Azure Blob Storage Containers. Answer true. Statement three. If you delete the Azure SQL database from which the backups are created, all LTR backups are also deleted. Answer false. Explanation. Statement one. LTR policy can be configured to retain database backups for up to ten years. You can use the Azure portal or PowerShell command list to configure the LTR policy. Each policy is defined based on a combination of weekly backup retention, monthly backup retention, yearly backup retention, and week of year parameters. For example, to retain yearly backups for 10 years, you work to configure the policy by setting Y equals 10. Statement two, database backups are retained in Azure Blob storage containers. Each Azure Blob storage container is replicated to a paired Azure region for storage redundancy. This provides protection in the event of an outage in the pri- in the primary region. By default, full backups are copied to a storage container on a weekly schedule. This will incur increasing storage costs as the number of backups increases. Statement three, if you delete the Azure SQL databases from which backups are created, all LTR backups are not deleted. The LTR backups remain available for retention period and can be and can be used to restore a retained database to the same server or a different server in the same Azure subscription. All right, we're at our last question. We are at our last question. Thank you for making it this far. Um, You manage multiple SQL Server 2019 on-premises databases. The databases are part of an always-on availability group, you plan to use Azure as a high availability disaster recovery solution for these databases. The solution must support automatic failover and minimize data loss in case the on premises server suffers an outage. Which database offering should you use to support the high availability disaster solution? Option one Azure SQL managed instance. Option two Azure SQL database in the hyperscale service tier. Option three. Azure SQL Database in the Business Critical Service Tier. Option four, SQL Server on Azure VMs. Answer, SQL Server on Azure VMs. Explanation, you should use SQL Server on Azure Virtual Machines VMs. Only SQL Server on Azure VMs supports being added to an always-on availability group in an on-premises network. This option also supports automatic failover without data loss to the cloud instance for high availability disaster recovery scenarios. You should not use Azure SQL Managed Instance. Currently, it is not possible to add an Azure SQL Managed Instance as a member of an always-on availability group in an on-premises or hybrid network. In cloud only scenarios, you can implement auto failover groups and activate geo replication to achieve HADR. You should not use Azure SQL Database in the business critical or hyperscale service tiers. Even in higher level service tiers, Azure SQL Database is not supported as a member of an always on availability group across on premises and hybrid networks. Similar to Azure SQL Managed Instance, in cloud-only scenarios, you can implement auto failover groups and active geo replication to achieve HADR. All right, thanks for listening. That was uh, that was 30 questions. I may have skipped one, but we're uh, we're working on this test. Thank you.